my name is Abby, and I want to thank you so much for taking the time to watch this message from the church. We pray that you are highly blessed and encouraged. We would love to connect with you more at our website at www.thechurchokc.com. Series called Limitless, and uh, man, it's been a great series. I've really enjoyed it. Um, tonight, we're going to talk about limitless forgiveness, and... Um, we're going to hit it from a couple different angles and and man some of us have already experienced that forgiveness tonight as we just came and we took and uh, it's just awesome. First um, John chapter 2 um, we're just going to hit this real quick and then we're going to move move on but first uh, John chapter 2 starting in verse 1 it says my dear children I write this to you so that you will not sin but if anybody does sin we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, hey, th this is the word of the Lord and, 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 and just... I, I, oh. I'm about to get a little Pentecostal. Stick with me here. I, I just love this. It, it, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ. But it's not just Jesus Christ. It's Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. You know, forgiveness is... Forgiveness is difficult. I mean, if we're, if we're honest, if we're serious, forgiveness is, or is difficult. And we want people to be quick to forgive us, you know? All right, I messed up. I, I'm sorry. You know, Donald Sterling, the owner of the Clippers, he was in the news and he said some things he shouldn't have. And he's like, this is one mistake. Can't a man have one mistake? Won't you forgive me? This is what he's pleading to the NBA who's making him sell his team and he's just like it's one mistake and we've all been there where we screwed up you know where there's there's no excuses there's no no nothing that we can say we can't you know it's just we screwed up and we need forgiveness and in those cases we want people to be quick to forgive us I, look I made a mistake I'm sorry okay all right are you gonna are you gonna hold it over my head you know are you, are you gonna keep bringing it back up you know this this plays a role in marriages. I'm not going to get too deep in there because I'm married and so I'm not going to say anything that's going to incriminate me later. But sometimes, all the time, God has blessed women with great memory. And uh, Abby's great. She doesn't remember all the crazy stupid stuff that I do. Um, but, but this is this is the way it is, is when we mess up, we want somebody to be quick to forgive us. But when somebody does us wrong, when, when somebody just, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever gone to the grocery store and you go to pull into that parking spot and right before you do, you know, some lady in a Corvette talking on her cell phone swings in and, you know, it's hard to give forgiveness in situations like that. And this is one of those reasons why I'm glad and you all should be glad that I'm not God. Because if that was me and I was God, you know, like the movie Bruce Almighty, if I was God and she did that, that car would, 
spontaneously combust into flames, and justice would be done. And this is the thing about forgiveness is, for us, we don't understand how forgiveness and justice play with one another. You know, because we want to forgive, or we want people to forgive us. We don't want people to give us justice. We want people to give us forgiveness, but we want to give people justice and not forgiveness. Well, they did this and they did that. They deserve what they get. I read a story this week in the news and heartbreaking. This lady had had a bad relationship with her husband and they had gotten a divorce and he was physical, physically abusive. And, and so she goes and she moves from, I believe it was from Washington to, to Houston and she's living with her sister and her sister's family and um, her ex-husband comes down to Houston and uh, ties up the entire family. She wasn't there and ends up killing them and uh, all their kids ex except for one execution style. And that's a heart-wrenching story. And, and we read stories like that and we're like, that man needs the death penalty. He needs, you know, you know I mean, just, mm, why do people do that, you know? They interviewed the parents and the grandparents of this family. And they said, we forgive. They, they didn't ask for justice. They said, we have to forgive because we were forgiven. You want to talk about profound. I mean, you want to talk about difficult. I can't even imagine, and I'd like to sit here and say, that's exactly what I would say. I would get on TV in these interviews and I'd say, I forgive him because Jesus forgives me. But I'm human. And it's easy to say that, but it's another thing to live that out. Stories told of these three mean-looking guys on motorcycles who pulled into a truck stop cafe where this truck driver, just a little guy, was sitting at the counter quietly eating his lunch. The three thugs saw him, grabbed his food, and laughed in his face. The truck driver didn't say a word. He got up, he paid for his food, and he walked out. One of the bikers, unhappy that they hadn't succeeded in provoking the little man into a fight, bragged to the waitress. He sure wasn't much of a man, was he? The waitress replied, no, I guess not. Then glancing out the window, she added, I guess he's not much of a truck driver either. He just ran over three motorcycles. <laughs> this, is, this is how we want life to be done, you know? I mean, we want justice. We want... But do you know that God doesn't tell us to judge? God tells us to forgive. You know, the, the judgment is left up to Him because He is, like we just read, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but not just our sins, for the sins of the whole world, and that includes the ones that wrong us. Carl Menninger, the famed psychiatrist, once said that if he could convince the patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, 75% of them would walk out the next day. Because unforgiveness has such a stranglehold 
on our lives. And when I say unforgiveness, understand that unforgiveness walks hand in hand with pride. Because the reason that we don't forgive is because when somebody wrongs us, we kind of bust up our chest a little bit and say, I don't deserve that. Our pride comes out and says, they should treat me better. I don't deserve all this stuff to happen to me. And a lot of times, we harbor unforgiveness and bitterness towards God. God, why are you allowing this to happen? How many times was that question asked after 9-11? How could a good God? Or we hear the stories of these children who are locked in cars and end up dying. Why would a good God allow that to happen? And so we get bitter and we get pride and we prideful and we say, God, this is not how it's supposed to be. But again, what Dr. Menninger said, 75% of them will walk out the next day if they could understand that their sins were forgiven. If we understand the power of forgiveness changes everything. It changes everything. You know, we talked about it at the very beginning of our service. 1 Chronicles chapter 17, verse 16. Then King David went in and sat before the Lord and prayed, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my family that you have brought me thus far? Church, can I just tell you that if we could wake up with that attitude every day, Lord, who am I? You see, because when, when we come to the table, you know, one of the things that we've talked about before is that when we come to this table, what this table does is it reflects back to us all of our sins and all of our faults and all of our insecurities and all the reasons why we shouldn't be forgiven and why we shouldn't be prideful and why we shouldn't have, have what we want. This table reflects it all. But yet we still receive it. Body was broken for you and the blood was spilt for you. So you come and you're face to face with your own mortality. You're face to face with your own sinfulness. You're face to face with all those acts, all those thoughts, all of that that doesn't deserve forgiveness. But yet he gave it to you anyways. So we in turn can give it to others. But if we can understand this attitude that David had, who am I, O oh Lord, and what is my family that you have brought me this far? That you're still forgiving me again and again and again. You know, 1 John 1 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all our righteousness. Psalms 103 12, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Isaiah 38, 17, Yes, this anguish was good for me, for you have rescued me from death and forgiven all my sins. I mean, this is the gospel that we want to hear. I messed up, but Jesus still loves me. Hallelujah. Woo! But what about the people that mess up towards you? Let them burn in hell. <laughs> passage I want us to really get to tonight is found in Matthew chapter 18 and this is Peter talking to Jesus and, and this 
story that Jesus is about to tell us is, is kind of nestled in between when he's talking about marriage and a husband and wife relationship and when he's talking about discipleship. And I think that it fits perfectly here. Verse 21 of Matthew 18, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times. Now, let me stop right here, okay? Because if you know anything about Peter, most of what Peter said was loaded, all right? Whenever he, whenever he approaches Jesus and is talking to Jesus, there's an ulterior motive or there's something kind of going on, all right? We, we've talked about Peter before. Peter was like the redneck of the disciples, all right? He just spoke and then he thought. And, and I can just imagine here in verse 21, then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? All right, Peter's probably sitting here thinking, okay, I've got somebody in mind who's already wronged me seven times. All right, so do I forgive him seven times? He's probably expecting Jesus to say, man, you've forgiven him seven times? That's amazing, you know. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Now understand something, that Jesus isn't throwing out the number 77 because it's, it's relevant. Like, you know, you know, you keep count and 77 times and on the 78th time you can slap them. Okay, that's not what he's saying. He's throwing out a number that's so far out there that he's just saying, no, you just keep forgiving them. You, you, you just keep forgiving them. And, and you know, as I was studying and preparing for this message, something kind of hit me on this. And, and, and I think that we can realistically take this passage and take this... this um, uh, the, the statement from Jesus two different ways. He's not just saying if somebody does you wrong 77 times that you forgive them 77 times for all those different 77 things. No, he's saying that one thing that they did to you that you can't seem to get over, every time it comes to your mind, you forgive them again. Do you get that? Because if, you're, if you guys are like me, and, and maybe I'm the only one, but sometimes when I say I forgive somebody... I'm not quite there yet. You know, I, you know it's, it's, it's lip service. I, it's, it's like when we've got two seven-year-old boys living with us and one does something wrong. Tell them you're sorry. I'm sorry. Tell them you forgive them. I forgive them. Now, do you think the first one's sorry? Really? No. He's sorry he got caught. Do you think the second one really is going to forgive him right then? No. He's plotting what he's going to do for revenge. That's the way seven-year-olds work. That's the way our minds work. But what Jesus is saying is, is this, is look, I don't care if they do 77 different things wrong to you, you keep forgiving them. And I don't forget, I don't care if they've done some, one thing wrong with you, and it takes you 77 times of forgiving them before it sticks. You just keep doing it. This is hard for me, okay? Because I struggle with this. Alright? Because I don't like people to do me wrong. And I'm very creative in, in the way my mind works on revenge plans. Okay? I mean, I could plot things out and burn people's houses down. But God called me to preach. So. <laughs> Jesus goes on in verse 23. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. Now for current Oklahoma conversion a whole lot of money okay a whole lot of money and since he could not pay his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made you see this is this is justice this is what justice demands the guy owed a debt and he was going to pay his debt one way or another 
Verse 26, so the servant fell on his knees imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when the same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Not a lot of money. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went out and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should you not have had mercy on your fellow servant as I have had mercy on you? And in his anger, his master delivered him to the jailers, jailers until he should pay all his debt. Wow. Okay, well, Brian, what does that story have to do with Peter's question? Well, listen to this last sentence. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. I mean, that's, that's a little harsh, you know? I mean, it's, it's like, you know, come on, Jesus. I mean, you know, you're the righteous one. You're supposed to act like that. I'm human. You know, I'm supposed to get mad and angry and do what I want and then come on, on Saturday nights and ask for forgiveness. But this is what he says. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You know, and, and, and I, could, I could stand up here and I could say all the quaint little sayings that we've heard that, 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 you know, whenever you forgive somebody, you're not setting them free from prison. You're setting yourself from, free from prison of the unforgiveness that you're, you know, I mean, we've got all of these sayings and all these, you know, all these quaint little one-liners that are supposed to help us understand how important it is for us to forgive. But really what it comes down to is this, is that we forgive because we know what it's like to be forgiven. But you know, at the same point, maybe that's why we don't forgive. Because we feel the release whenever we come up here and we feel the forgiveness of God and it just wipes us clean and it just cleans the slate of our lives. And we're like, I don't want that person who did me wrong to experience that. I want them to suffer. I want them to go to bed at night I'm so going to pay for this later. Okay. Um, I remember once my mom. Yeah, sorry. This wasn't in the notes, but it just came to me, and I'm Pentecostal, so I'm going to say it was God. Um, so, so, mom had this car. It was a Lincoln Aviator. It was nice. And it had like wood grain all on the inside of it. You know, I mean, it was classy. It was like a pimp ride, all right? I mean, she was like, she was rolling. Um, and, uh, and so she's, she's, she's driving this thing and she has to take it in for service. And so she takes it in for service at the dealership and she goes to picks it up. And actually, I think dad dropped it off for you. At, in, in, at, at, in, yeah, we'll get to that. Um, <laughs> So she goes and she drops it off, and, and she, or it gets dropped off. And whenever she picks it up, there's this huge scratch down her wood grain on her dash. And she kind of notices it, 
And so she calls and she complains, you know, and they're like, we didn't do it. It, it was already there whenever the car, no, it wasn't. And so, you know, she's Pentecostal too. So she, um, she, she calls down the angel armies of God and she tells the service manager, I mean, she's letting him have it. I'm going to pray that God keeps you up at night. <laughs> and this is over, this is over the wood grain dash, first world problems. Um, and and she, she's just, I mean, she's just let them have it. And she literally says, I pray that God is going to keep you up at night over this. Okay? And then come to find out, Dad did that when he dropped it off. <laughs> and so, she, she called back and she apologized and she made things right. But this is how we are in life. Is, is you know, we're like, well, I've got the God of angel armies on my side. And I'm going to call down fire from heaven. And justice is going to be served. I don't want them to feel forgiveness. I want them to stay up at night thinking about how wrong they treated me. But Jesus says no. Look, the debt that you owe me is so much greater. The anguish that you caused me because of your sins. The pain that my son has to go through, had to go through because of your sinfulness is far greater cost than somebody still in your parking lot. It's far greater than what your husband or your wife says to you or what they did to you or what your friends or what your parents or, or so-and-so who did you wrong and how they mistreat you and you don't deserve it and all that. You go ahead, you add that up and you count those as much as you want to. It's still going to pale in comparison with the debt of your sins and the cost of the blood of Christ. So yeah, this is what Jesus is referring to in the story. The forgiveness, the blood of Christ we're responsible for. And he forgives us and has mercy on us and shows us loving kindness. And yet we don't want to forgive somebody in this earthly realm who's treated us wrong. And look, I'm not saying they didn't treat you wrong. I'm not saying that you don't have every right to be mad. But what I am saying is that you better forgive them. Anytime that you struggle with forgiveness, you just stop. And you quit thinking about what you did wrong, what they did wrong to you, and you start thinking about every one of those sins that you've committed just today just in the past four hours <laughs> and then you compare the cost of your sins with the blood of Christ and you see where that ranks and then you take what other people have done to you and you put it in that perspective you look at it through that lens you know the familiar saying, don't get mad, just get even. It sums up the world's philosophy of how to deal with someone who wrongs you. But in contrast to the world's way, God prescribes a radical approach when we are wronged. We are to be kind. We are to be tender-hearted, forgiving one another just as God in Christ had forgiven us. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 31 and 32 says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you. Along with all malice, 
Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And one of the translations I study a lot with is the Amplified. And this is how it puts it here. And Abby, you, can, you and the band can come back up. Let all bitterness and indignation and wrath Passion, rage, bad temper, and resentment, anger, animosity, and quarreling, brawling, clamor, contention, and slander, evil speaking, abusive or blasphemous language be banished from you. With all malice, spite, ill will, or baseness of any kind. Let it be banished from you. And instead... Become useful and helpful and kind to one another. Tender-hearted, which means compassionate, understanding, loving-hearted, forgiving one another readily and freely as God and Christ forgave you. A great kind of theologian and minister of the gospel back during World War II, uh, Bonhoeffer, um, yeah, what a name. Isn't that awesome? Uh, wonder, incredible, incredible story of his life. But one of the things he said, and I'm going to paraphrase here. I should have put it up on the screen for you. But he said, instead of focusing on all the wrongs that somebody commits towards you or about you, instead, focus on what they're struggling with. Well, what he's saying is this. Instead of getting so worked up about how they wronged you and letting your pride jump in and say, I don't deserve this. Step back and say, what are they going through? What, what are they dealing with? What are they facing? What, what, what is causing them to act the way that they act? You know, I could say all these things about how unforgiveness will make your life last longer and, you know, I mean, I can say all that, but what it really comes down to and what Jesus focuses on is this, is that, now look, you, you, you don't forgive because of what you give out, get out of it. You forgive because I forgave you. That's, I mean, that's it. It's not, a, it's not one of these things that if we pray the right prayer, then we get goosebumps and we feel good inside about what we did. And so we end up coming out, you know, on top, you know? It's like the first that forgive, the first person to forgive wins. I heard somebody in a marriage seminar say that, you know? The first one of you that forgives wins, you know? Oh, okay. No, no. Because the fact of the matter is, is you can up to this altar and you can pray and you can ask for forgiveness and, and you can forgive somebody that's wronged you and then tomorrow when you wake up the enemy is going to speak something in your ear and going to remind you and your blood is going to boil just thinking about what they did to you so you wake up tomorrow and you forgive them You may wake up the, every day for the rest of your life and have to ask after forgive that person. I've been wronged in my life years ago and I still have to. I catch myself, you know. Just, and then I just stop and I'm like, I forgive them. And honestly, some days it's between clenched teeth. I forgive them, you know. 
but it's not about me it's not about releasing that from me it's about the fact that I've already been released from so much more thing about being a Christian, about having this relationship with Christ, is every time we come to this table, I told you this table encompasses everything. Every time we come up here, we're faced with all of the junk in our own lives and we see what forgiveness looks like. And Jesus says, because of this, you go and you forgive. The end of Acts chapter 2 talks about how the disciples came and they had all things together. Everything was together. And it says that the people were in awe. People were in awe because of the way that the disciples and the way that the first Christians handled their relationships. It wasn't I, I want all the money and I'm going to have the bigger house. It was no, we're all just going to come together. And I, 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 man, I messed up. I did something wrong. That's okay, man. Let's just keep going. I mean, it was just this, it was this radical way of the fact that man, we know what it's like to be forgiven. We know the beauty that's found in the blood and the body of Christ. And so we're just going to let that come forth in our life. Like those grandparents, we forgive because there's nothing else that we can do. The story was told of a young man that died he was getting ready to start college at Texas A&M and he had already come down there and he was getting in a fraternity and all this kind of stuff and some things that happened and he had to run and you know they were really trying to work him out you know and do the whole hazing thing and he ended up dying and the parents wrote a letter the dad wrote a letter to Texas A&M he said I want to just write this letter and tell you my gratitude and my appreciation for all the outpouring of support and compassion and mercy that's been shown to my family during this difficult time. And I want you to know that I don't harbor any ill will about the situation. My son had an appointment with God. And he made it. And he said, when people ask, why did this happen? He said, I'm hoping that one of the reasons why is that people will come to know the love of Christ through this. we live our lives is for the glory of God so when we forgive we may have to forgive every day for the rest of our life but every day we forgive what we're doing we're saying God I'm giving you glory because you deserve it you've forgiven me you've, 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 you've cleansed me from my sins and so this is one of those acts of worship where I can just say I forgive whether I feel it or not I'm going to continue to forgive and I'm going to continue to fight that battle I know what it means to be forgiven. That's it. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. We're going to do things just a little different tonight. Right now, right where you're sitting. I want you to think of that person or those people that have wronged you, that have hurt you. Those ones that, that just the thought of them just leads to all those actions that they did and just all of the junk that you're feeling now because of that and how you were wrong. I want you to
want you to focus on that for a minute. you to think of your sins. Every bad thought, every lustful thought that you've had today, every time that you've cussed somebody out in your mind. Those things that you've did, done in the past that you still haven't forgiven yourself of. you to think of the blood of Christ that was spilled for you, the body of Christ that was broken for you, and realize that as great of a sin and wrong as somebody else has done to you, pales in comparison to the sins that you committed before Christ. And here in just a minute, I'm going to give you an opportunity if you need to make things right with Christ tonight find forgiveness we're going to open up these altars but at the same time we're going to open up these altars if you need to come up here and you need to pray and flesh some things out with God about forgiveness that you need to forgive somebody else you're going to have that opportunity as well but before I say that prayer I want to read this verse one more time that we opened up with 1 John chapter 2 verse 1 and 2 my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. sacrifice for the sins that you committed but he's also the atoning sacrifice for the sins that were committed against you this is why we forgive because whatever anybody has done to you whether somebody has cheated on you whether somebody has has lied about you whether somebody has has stolen from you whatever it may be Jesus Christ died for those sins as well. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking around, you'd say, you know what, Brian, my relationship with Jesus is not what it needs to be. For some of you, maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, but for others, maybe you had at one point, but you're no longer living that life. Some churches call it backsliding. Others may call it falling away. It doesn't matter what you call it. It just means that your relationship with Jesus is not where it should be. Tonight, I want to give you that opportunity to come up and make things right. I'm going to count to three, and when I do, I want you to just come find a place at this altar, and a couple of us will pray with you, and nothing real strange is going to happen, but you're going to have that opportunity to just really lay it out before God and just to put things on the table. And to receive the mercy, and to receive the compassion, to receive the forgiveness that's offered in the blood and body of Christ.
And for others, you would say, you know what, Brian, I, I feel like my relationship with God is right, but man, I'm holding on to some bitterness and some unforgiveness about some things that have happened in my life and some wrong that have been done to me. And I need to fight that fight of forgiveness. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to come up when I count to three as well, and we'll pray with you as well. But we forgive because Christ forgave us. So when I count to three, if you need to be at this altar, I invite you to come. One, two, three.